In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis and I'm back recording from Prague in the Czech Republic today and my guests will be recording from London, England. So good morning, good afternoon or good evening wherever you may be listening from today and welcome back to our returning listeners. If you are new Though, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive a long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes. You can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Tell me what you want to hear about. Please send me a mail. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to be a guest on this show, if you are a professional business person with a passion or an expert on a business subject, reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. We have a worldwide audience. But even if you don't want to be a guest, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. So now on to today's episode. Now, this is something that really lies on my heart, okay? And we're going to talk a little bit about supplier diversity. Now, a supplier diversity program is a proactive business program which encourages the use of minority-owned, okay, that could be women-owned, veteran-owned, or other minority or underutilized businesses who normally do not get the chance at becoming suppliers, especially for large corporations. Supplier diversity programs recognize that sourcing products from services previously under, with previously underused suppliers helps to sustain and progressively transform a company's supply chain. Now, it also works on the theory that we, as, as companies, as businesses, we have a diverse customer base with diverse demographics, and that's why a diverse supplier base is so important. Now, diverse and women-owned business enterprises are among the fastest-growing segments of the worldwide economy. State of Women-Owned Business Report said that in the United States alone, as of January 2017, there were an estimated 11.6 million women-owned businesses that employ nearly 9 million people and generate more than $1.7 trillion in revenues. And that's those are really big numbers. And even with the growth in women businesses, 
these suppliers are having difficulty competing for corporate and government contracts and earning less than 1% of the money spent by these organizations, according to Elizabeth Vasquez, CEO and co-founder of We Connect International. So this means even if a women-owned businesses are growing, they're not getting their piece of the supplier pie. But at the same time, with corporations focusing on diversity and inclusion programs, diversity in the supplier chain has become a focus with many companies taking action. But it's also very often forgotten. Very often we focus on diversity in hiring process and building teams and other aspects of business, but it is not that often that we look at the supplier chain, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take a look at diversity in the supplier chain with a focus on how women-owned business can get their piece of the pie. And with that, we're going to be talking to Maggie Berry, who is a European Executive Director for We Connect International, a global organization championing supplier diversity in pro- and procurement and helping majority-owned women businesses connect into the corporate supply chain. She has lead responsibility for the organization in Europe, and her role involves developing corporate and public sector support, as well as growing and supporting a network of over a thousand women-owned businesses across Europe. We Connect International's corporate members spent $1 trillion in annual purchasing power and are true pioneers in inclusive sourcing and global supplier development. And in Europe, this includes companies such as Accentra, IBM, Intel, Procter & Gamble, and many more. Previously, Maggie ran womenintechnology.co.uk, an online job board, recruitment, and networking forum for women working in technology profession in the UK. She now runs Women in Technology Network in her spare time and reminds, remains actively involved in championing women in the technology sector. She's a freeman in the information technologist company in the city of London. So welcome to the show, Maggie. Thanks, Kimberly. Delighted to be with you today. Thank you for taking the time. So let's just start. Can you just tell us a little bit about We Connect International? Absolutely. So We Connect International, it's a really interesting organization. We're a global not-for-profit. The We of We Connect stands for Women's Enterprise, and we're all about connecting women-owned businesses into the corporate supply chain. And as you referenced in your introduction, it is looking at the next stage of diversity. So it's moving on from just looking at workforce diversity, which is super important, but actually looking at who owns the businesses that big business buys from and are they buying products and services from women-owned businesses? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to learn a little bit more about WeConnect, but we're going to come back to that a little bit later. But just quickly, how you came from the technology sector. So how, how did you get involved in this? With WeConnect? Well, actually, it's I mean, it's all about your network. And mm-hmm. actually, one of the, the women that I knew within the Women in Technology Network was also a women-owned business. And she was part of the WeConnect International Network. And about six years ago, when they were looking for a full-time executive director in Europe, she heard on the grapevine that WeConnect International were looking and she knew on the grapevine that I was also looking for a new role as well. So I actually got this job through the, through my network um, and we got connected. It's all in the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually run the campaign for WeConnect International since the tail end of 2012. So uh, just over five and a half years now. Wow, that's great. Okay. So let's let's talk a little bit about 
the supplier network, okay, and diversity in the supplier network, which is what WeConnect is doing, going that step further into diversity. Why is supplier diversity so important? Absolutely. It's, I mean, when we, when we look at diversity, as mentioned, mainly companies are looking at workforce. You know, are they hiring women, keeping them, promoting them, getting them coming back after maternity, women on boards, all of that good stuff. But actually, where an organization spends its monies, where it spends its dollars, that's a surefire indicator of its commitment to diversity. So alongside that is the fact that women influence over 85% of consumer purchasing decisions. So we need to marry these two and ensure that big business is looking at and ensuring that they have not only diversity in their workforces, but diversity in, a, in amongst the businesses that they buy products and services from because you want your products and services to reflect more closely the consumer base that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's definitely an initiative that has come out of the US market. So if any of your listen, listeners are sitting in the US, they'll probably be relatively familiar with this as a topic. But I would say for your listeners in the rest of the world, this will maybe be quite a new concept that they haven't come across before. Um and as part of the role that we connect international, not only all of our ongoing day-to-day work, but we're also campaigning and on a mission to raise awareness about the importance of buying from women-owned businesses around the world. And we, uh, you said it's come out of the United States. If you were to take an estimate, and I don't know if you have exact numbers, but if you look at the Fortune 500 companies there, you know, uh, how many are aware of this and actively using diversity um, programs for suppliers? Absolutely. So it's a great question. So what I can tell you is that within the We Connect International Network, and we are a corporate member organization, and we work with a coalition of about 70 to 75 multinational corporations, including firms like Accenture, Intel, IBM, those kind of firms. Um, Within the US, where this is much more embedded, um, the organization who does what we do, but for the US market, it's an organization called WeBank. They have over 300 corporate members. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a look at the list earlier just to double check. And they're a mix of what I would say Fortune 500 companies, but also they, they also include um, public sector and government entities as well. Um, so it's, there's a real mix around the organizations that are looking, this, looking at this in the US. And then I say within WeConnect International, we work with this coalition of about 70 to 75 multinationals, private sector, who are looking at their supply chains globally, i.e. they are looking to expand their programs beyond the U.S. domestic market. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're, those numbers, I mean, when I hear those numbers, I'm saying, hmm, okay, um, it's great we've made this progress, but they could be a little bit bigger. Always. But are you seeing, is it, are there certain market segments, and I don't mean the private or governmental, I mean like technology or segments that, that are faster in, in catching this on than other segments? Gosh, I don't know if I don't know if any of it is ever fast. This this is certainly a long term program to change the way that big business buys. So, um, I I definitely see a lot of activity for, within the technology sector and the, the consulting sector. I think there's a lot of good work happening in the pharmaceutical sector as well. Um, and I think certainly in the United States there are. Um, groups of companies coming together, say like in the automotive industry, who are working together to push this agenda. And that's that's one of the really interesting things about this, this program and the way the corporations work together in this space is that supplier diversity can often transcend normal competitiveness boundaries because we are really trying to change the world, change the way that the world buys. 
and actually we need the corporations to come together and work on these initiatives together. So um, certainly across the board, I know within our the corporations that we work with in, I say technology, they're in pharma, but they're also in the hotel industry or the, um, yeah, there's a real mix. And in fact, if anybody wants to go online and have a look, they can see the corporate members all listed online. It's, it's very public who they all are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how about, let, let, what about um, compliance or legislation? Is there, I mean, we know in the U.S. we have some compliance. Uh, we have a compliance core that pushes companies in a certain direction. In Europe, we have legislation such as uh, EU 2020, 20% gender diversity on boards for public-owned company. Um, is there anything in compliance or legislation that is supporting this movement? So very much, yes. In the United States, this is very embedded. And I mean, how I would normally describe it is if the, if you're a big business, say like an IBM, and if you're bidding for federal contracts, you have to have a commitment to spend with diverse owned businesses. And although we connect international, we're a gender campaign and we're focused on women owned businesses. Supplier diversity does look at a number of different sectors. So women owned, ethnic minority owned, LGBT, disabled veterans you know there's a there's a really interesting cross um cross sector so when you look at government legislation it would cover all of those different demographics um they me the work that i do here in europe at this point there i have not seen any government legislation that specific specifically supports supplier diversity i know in the uk market the uk government have a focus on spend with smes so small medium-sized enterprises Mm -hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't specify whether they're women-owned or ethnic minority-owned. So the government legislation has definitely made this programme and made it much more embedded in the US market. And as we look at it in the international markets, i.e. non-US, my view is that it's very much um, private sector-led, apart from in a a couple of different regions. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that any kind of legislation might help push the envelope? And and um, is there something that we connect looks at is is you know trying to to ask for more governmental support or legislation around this? Yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, we'd love we'd love to continuously see more support. I think there's the the way up though between the private sector leading the way and building out programs that work for them than having to kind of match a program exactly against what a government requirement might be. But yes, I mean, we'd love to see more support um, around big business, you know, mm. being asked to ensure that they are buying from small businesses. I mean, the, the stats very, are very clear in the European market. SMEs, so small, medium-sized enterprises, are the backbone of the European economy. You know, almost 99% of businesses in Europe are SMEs, so we have to be able to support them. And then we, when we look at it within a gender context, um, even if I just look at the stats in the UK, women are 50% of the working population, but we only own 20% of businesses. So we are not creating and generating our own economic wealth. And I think this sits at the core of what We Connect International is about. It's a women's economic empowerment campaign to ensure that women are, yes, setting up and running businesses, but through We Connect, ensuring that they're being able to access business opportunities with these big with big corporations. Right. And any government support would be very welcome mm-hmm. around that. 
Well, I, we're going to take a short break, Maggie. And I, when we come back, I want to I go into that a little bit more on, on how We Connect is helping and, and what We Connect is doing, um, because this is a, a subject that is really interests me quite a bit, and I'm sure interests all our listeners, and obviously you as head of the We Connect in Europe. So, um, and we all should be interested in getting this diversity out there in the sh- supply chain. So, for our listeners, we are talking with Maggie Berry. She's the Executive Director for Europe for We Connect International, a global organization championing supplier diversity in procurement and helping minority-owned women businesses, majority-owned women businesses, to connect into the corporate supply chain. She has a lead responsibility for the organization in Europe, and her roles involves developing corporate and public sector support, as well as growing and supporting a network of 1,000 women-owned businesses across Europe. You can reach out to Maggie at WeConnectInternational.org and WeConnectInternational is also on Twitter under WeConnectInternational and on LinkedIn under WeConnectInternational and on Facebook under WeConnect. Okay, and please reach out to her. I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, leadership trainer and business expert. You can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group at leadershipbeyondborders or go to my website. And with that, we'll be right back and we'll talk a little bit more about We Connect International and what it does. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. How is your company's marketing plan? Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to Marketing That Won't Break the Bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Join host Sandy Giroux each week for Leadership and Life. This program illustrates different aspects of leadership and shows you how it's not just confined to the workplace or even our job duties. You'll hear more about the human side of leadership, which includes connecting on a non-work-related level. In fact, a lot of what happens on this level definitely affects how leaders are viewed as such. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. 
Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we are talking with Maggie Berry, the Executive Director for Europe for We Connect International, a global organization championing supplier diversity in procurement and helping majority-owned women businesses connect into the corporate supply chain. Now, Maggie, before the break, we talked about um, general diversity, supplier diversity in general. And then you said that you made a, you said 20% of the businesses in the UK are, are women owned. Is that, is that what you said before the break? 20%, I I think? I did. It's it's actually just less than 20% of businesses in the UK are owned by women. Right. So, so that's, I mean, that's not a huge number, even though I know it's growing. So let's, let's talk about, you know, how we connect helps these women businesses. I mean, how did it begin? So actually, We Connect International came out of um, the desire by a group of multinational corporations to take their existing U.S. domestic supplier diversity programs global. So we were actually set up by a group of multinational corporations. So we're set up as a, as a not-for-profit and it's a corporate member organization. Um, we actually, Europe was the, was the pilot region uh, way back in 2009. So we did our first program here um, and our head office team is now located in Washington, DC. And then I've got colleagues all around the world. So Canada, India, China, Latin America, Africa, um, but I'm based in the UK and I run I run our campaign across Europe, um, and the the program has continued to grow steadily over the last seven or eight years, and next year we'll be celebrating ten years. Wow, and and how many chapters do you you said you had Canada? Um, I saw on the website Africa. How many chapters? Or I, I don't want to say. Do you call it chapters? Or how no, many, we don't. <laughs> what? How many areas do you yes. cover? Okay, we're active in twenty twenty plus countries around the world, and then specifically in Europe, which is my remit. We are most active in five countries, which is the UK and Ireland, Switzerland, Germany, and the Netherlands. So, and okay, and how do you get corporations involved um, into this program? Gosh, uh, many, many different <laughs> ways. Um, a lot of our referrals uh, will come from entities in the in the US who have a strong program in the US and who then have the desire to take their program internationally. Whether they want to start in one region in one country, say they might look at South Africa or, or they want to look at something in India, they will they would reach out to We Connect International to help them do that. All the way through to a company who maybe wants to be active in multiple countries around the world. And because we are a corporate member led organisation. Um, we are actually guided by wh- where they would like to see us and you know, which, which regions in the world they want to see us active. And in fact, later this month, we're actually launching in Japan, which is oh. really exciting. Um, and that's, you know, that's a new country for us. Um, Japan has its challenges around uh, gender in business generally, uh, and then kind of mapping that down to uh, women-owned businesses and women in the supply chain. So that's going to be really interesting. So that launches later this, uh, that launches, uh, later this month in July. And so corporations meet us um through networking with peers um quite often the supplier diversity community in the us is quite close-knit and i think if there are any, ever any discussions around looking at it internationally we connect international is is the is the natural um is the natural partner i think for other entities that are not 
in the US, but are maybe, say, a UK-based entity or a European-based entity, supplier diversity is a much newer part of the diversity landscape for them. And the conversations with those entities can take a bit longer as they kind of get their heads around us saying, you know, supplier diversity doesn't stop with your HR department or your CHR initiatives. You know, mm-hmm. diversity has to cover the whole the whole area of your business, including where you spend your money. And so when you're talking to corporates, do you, do you think this, the supplier diversity, should that become part of their mission and vision and their diversity program? Uh, yes, absolutely. It needs to be embedded across the business. I mean, I... I, um, I often describe the work that we're doing, it's almost like a global change management program because we're essentially trying to change the way that corporations buy and to ensure that any of their procurement, buying or sourcing processes that at, that they at every stage are, are looking as to whether they could include a diverse owned business. Um, and this takes time, you know, big big business does not <laughs> does not yeah. move quickly ever, really. And procurement yeah. processes take take a long time, you know, and in many organizations, you know, they have a set list of suppliers, you know, contracts are written for three, five longer, you know, years longer than that in some cases. So actually, you know, it is it is a long-term program. So absolutely, it needs to be part of all mission, vision, business as usual. It, what we don't necessarily want it to be is kind of like another tick box exercise mm-hmm. that is just kind of tagged on. Um, we do want it to become, you know, a normal part, you know, normal part of business. It just is what happens when that company buys that it, as they're as they look to consider which suppliers they could consider that they always ensure there is a diverse supplier mm-hmm. in the mix the same yeah. way that they would approach diverse hiring you know if you think about when if if a company was hiring for a new position they would want to make sure that they have a diverse slate of candidates that they are considering it's the same within supply chain that they mm-hmm. don't just keep buying products and services from the same old same old yeah. And um, that's the corporate side. So let's talk about what We Connect International does on the, the women business side. Now, you have a thousand women businesses owned businesses registered in um, Europe. I am happy to say that I'm one of them. So that's how we got to meet you um, yes. with self-registration. So how first, how do women owned businesses get registered or how do you get yourself registered? Let's go with that first. Yeah, absolutely. So it's... Um, we Connect International, you can register with us if you are a majority women-owned business. So minimum 51% of the business has to be in female hands. So if your business is 50-50 with a husband or a male business partner, unfortunately, you are not eligible to register. We are working only with majority-owned women's businesses. Um, you Businesses can register online. Um, you, we have a free registration that we call self-registration. So I, if I'm honest, I recommend any women-owned business out there, you know, if you're looking at working in the corporate space, if you've got a corporate or a B2B product service, you can register online. Um, you have to tell us a bit of information about your business. It's not just a case of putting in your name and your email address. You know, we do want to know something about your business, what it does, where you're based, what kind of turnover you've got your staff. Um, and you just do that all online and it's very very straightforward and that puts you into our global database so in Europe we work with um, over a thousand women-owned businesses they're in lots of different sectors um, but they've registered online and then through that they can access the different events or online trainings that were provided um, they can access other women-owned businesses through the network and they can also be found by our corporate members when they're searching searching on the database. 
And can you talk talk a little bit about so so once I'm registered, um, talk about the training and the the actual you know what we Connect International offers to these women businesses. Absolutely. So. One of the key things that we actually do with the women-owned businesses, um, so you can register, self-register for free. We also offer a formal accreditation program, which I can come on to in a second. But we also run, we do run events. We run a lot of online training um, because our network is so geographically dispersed. So, I mean, certainly out of Europe, I would run, I run probably a webinar every month. And then our head office team run global webinars. And actually, if anybody's interested in listening back to them, they're all available on our YouTube channel. There's a massive resource there of all sorts of different topics from, I don't know, communicating effectively to sales techniques to um, managing international teams it's all very very business focused and the content is really always aimed at the owner of the business um, mm-hmm. yes their team members can participate and all that kind of thing but normally this the the topics that we're running are, are aimed at helping the female business owners succeed grow develop whatever it is that they're looking to achieve with their with their business but because it's such an international network it also opens up a real global market for you so we have examples of women-owned businesses collaborating and connecting from uk to india from india to canada um from you know and 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 working together across the world and then certainly you know if i had a women-owned business that was specifically interested in the latin america market i'd be connecting them to my colleagues in latin america or if somebody said actually you know, i'm going on a business trip to china can i connect with your colleagues while you mm-hmm. all those kind of things it is a truly truly global business network mm-hmm. and and um and i i ha- i will say that i've used it and i have to say that it really is it's a fantastic network and um, I'd like to, to to add on to that a little bit and just ask a little bit deeper. So once you're in that network, okay, um, the idea behind this is to get women businesses in front of the corporations, okay? And there aren't always buying hubs every place that you are, okay? So two-part question, Maggie. First question is, how do you help the women get in front of those corporations, as yeah. a supplier, okay? That would be my first question. And my second question, is it geographically more heavy in some areas or the other areas? Um, example, I lived in Eastern Europe. So uh, most of the companies here have headquarters someplace else, but they might have buying um, hubs here. But so first question, how do you get us in front? And the second question, is it geographically heavy in certain areas more than others? Absolutely. So great question. So the, so the model works pretty much along these kind of lines. Uh, our corporate members will let us know when they're running a tender or an RFP and a request for proposal or an RFI when they are looking to buy a product or a service. And then my job is to match them, try and match them to a women owned business who could potentially supply that product or service. So I genuinely never know what tenders are going to come through to me. Um, last week I was asked for a, a software reseller. I might be asked for a marketing agency. Um, a couple of weeks ago I was looking for coaching firms in Ireland and then what I do is I take those requests and I search in our database to map against the women-owned businesses that we have within the database and to see whether there's any that look like they could be a fit. Uh, first opportunity would always go to our certified women-owned businesses. Now we haven't touched on this already but one mm. of the pieces that we offer is that we offer a formal accreditation program to categorically confirm that a business is who they say they are, i.e. that they are a majority women-owned managed and controlled business. Um, We call the certification 
that's kind of like our gold standard for the women-owned businesses. It, it means that if one of our corporations buys from them, they know absolutely categorically they're women-owned and they can count and track and report the spend that they have with them. So I would always look at our certified women-owned businesses first. Then I would look at our wider network, the self-registered businesses, to see whether we've got a match. And then certainly across Europe, I've built up um, a, a network of networks of other female entrepreneurial associations in the region, and I would reach out. So say if I had... Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a request for, I think it was a payroll company in, I want to say Romania, and I reached out to one of my European networks. I didn't have anybody sitting on our database with the right skills and experience, and then they were able through their network to connect me to a women-owned business that did. So we, we I do spend a lot of time networking across the region to try and identify these women-owned businesses. So for a women-owned business, first thing is, yeah, absolutely, get self-registered. It's free. Um, yeah. So for me, it's like that's a really straightforward first step because if you're on the database, we'll have a chance to find you. And if you're not, then we might not. And then certainly for our certified women-owned businesses, as I say, they often would get first opportunity to look at RFPs. But we also, for our certified businesses, we actually do proactive introductions and profiling. So we would send around their profiles to the corporate to the corporate member representatives. Or if one of my businesses that was certified said, actually, I'd really love to talk to IBM, or I'm interested in having a connection with MetLife, or actually, I, I, I'm doing some work with ExxonMobil already, how can we leverage it? Then for certified businesses, we will help facilitate um, individual connections. And then at our events, whether they're local events or the global events that we run, there is always an opportunity for the women-owned businesses to meet and connect with the women-owned businesses and um, with the corporate members. Mm-hmm. Now, I, we as an organisation, we can't make any of the corporates buy from the women-owned businesses just because they're certified or just because they're women-owned business. What we're focused in on is helping to facilitate the introductions and connections that then the women-owned businesses can leverage to really take those connections forward. So mm-hmm. I... I wish I had a magic wand that makes it happen. Um, it doesn't always, but what we can help with are the connections, the introductions, and making sure that our corporate members are aware of who the women-owned businesses are, what their skills and experience are, and where they could help them and add value in their supply chain. And it sounds like you have such a, a worldwide, I mean, of course, you're a worldwide organization, but I mean, the reach, uh, you said five major uh, countries in Europe, which were Germany, uh, Switzerland, Netherlands, uh, Ireland, and UK, but you're getting requests from Romania. So, oh, yeah. I mean, so, so the, the reach is out there. Okay? So, yeah, yeah, very much. Um, so across Europe, obviously, it's multiple countries, and I will respond to RFPs and tender requests from our corporate members in, in any location. Um, we're obviously going to have more luck in the countries where we have a bit of a stronger presence, so in those five that, are, that, are, that you've just listed. Yeah. But I know that you asked earlier about... Um, you know, some corporations have, for example, buying hubs in, say, in Prague, where you're located. Mm-hmm. Um, what we find is that although there may well be um, buying hubs in certain cities, they are often procuring products and services right. across EMEA. So although they may be located in Prague or in Budapest or in Sofia, they're actually buying services for Brussels or for London or for mm-hmm. Madrid. So actually, the lo- as far as I'm concerned, the location isn't necessarily too much of an issue. But because of the nature of the corporations that we work with, um, the women-owned businesses really need to have, I would say, business English, and they need to have the ability to um, interact in an international field. A lot of the requirements we get are, are not local, small, domestic 
um, activity is often, you know, for a European wide initiative or, you know, it might be, say, like one big project in the UK, you know. So we are looking definitely for women owned businesses that, you know, maybe are, do you want to work internationally and do you want to work with this type of right. That makes sense. So, Maggie, we're going to take a short break now. And for our listeners, we are talking with Maggie Berry, Executive Director for Europe for WeConnect International, a global organization championing supplier diversity in procurement and helping majority-owned women businesses to connect into the corporate supply chain. You can reach Maggie at WeConnectInternational.org. And your WeConnect is also on... Facebook under We Connect, on Twitter under We Connect International, and on LinkedIn under We Connect. And I also noticed when I was looking under We Connect International, Maggie, you can find the different the different countries also under there, Canada, Europe, and so on. So re- please reach out to Maggie, and Maggie is also on LinkedIn. That's Maggie Berry, Executive Director for Europe for We Connect International. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. You're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America Business. You can reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And with that, we'll come right back. And I, we heard and learned a lot about We Connect International. I want to come back a little bit and talk generally a little bit more about the diversity. So with that, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. If you are in business today, there are so many aspects of the business to contend with. How can you save taxes? What is the most effective way to grow the business? And how do you define your business and where it stands among the competition? Listen for Empowering Business Women by Brenda Regiment. With Brenda's expertise and her panel of guest experts, you'll be in the know when it comes to managing, promoting, and setting yourself and your business apart. Tune in Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders uh, on the Voice America 
business station. Now, we are talking today with Maggie Berry, Executive Director for Europe for WeConnect International, a global organization championing supplier diversity in procurement and helping majority-owned women businesses to connect into the corporate supply chain. So we've talked a little bit about supplier diversity in the first segment before the break, and then we talked about WeConnect International. And I'd like to come back to something you said in um, before the break, and you talked about uh, diversity, supplier diversity, and how companies should integrate that into their their mission and vision. And um, it's you said something like it's very similar to incorporating it into the hiring practices or balanced teams. Is there is there any kind of cookie cutter implementation for diversity, supplier diversity? Or is it all individual? Gosh, I'm, I think many many of the corporations would really, really like there to be a, um, a cookie-cutter method. I, I would say, um, overarching, there are obviously similar goals, but um, programs that maybe work really well in the US market, you can't just kind of lift and shift and then drop them into another region. It, it doesn't really work. And so what would probably work for me here in Europe with the corporations and the representatives that I work with here might be different from what my colleagues maybe need to do in India or what my colleague would need to do in Japan, for example. So, no, I think there are there is certainly um, overarching methods and methodologies, but you also have to be very aware of the local environment that you're operating in and what's also being bought there because, you know, there might and, and the types of businesses that are being set up there. So I know, for example, in Europe, most of the women owned businesses are professional services, but I know that my colleagues in India have maybe quite, a, you know, a different set of women owned businesses and different nature of businesses. So, um but within, within the organization, we have a lot of resources available for corporations who are looking at supplier diversity, you know, from those just starting out to those who want to build more, you know, are growing more sophisticated, more sophisticated programs. But you did say there are some overarching. Is there any, are there a couple best practices that maybe you could share with us? So I would definitely say you need senior level engagement. And you also need locally based champions. So as um, a lot of organizations will maybe have a dedicated supplier diversity professional sitting in the US. And then as they try to look at growing their programs globally, they need support and resource and they need on the ground people who understand the local market, but who are bought into the the concept around supplier diversity and, and diverse supply chains. So, yeah, I think local champions are really important, but also making sure that there is local senior level engagement and that the business really understands you know, why they're doing this and the business case around it and, and where it could fit into their buying, into their buying, um, their buying structures. One one of the really useful pieces, um, one of the really useful documents that we have within WeConnect International, we, we call it a gold standard checklist for supplier diversity. And it's basically a series of questions that a corporation can run through and ask themselves. And they're all the points that we believe an organization needs to have a truly global international a supplier diversity program and it might be the kind of set of questions when a corporation first looks at it they're like gosh they've got about 50 percent of them and then over a number of years that they can work that they can work forward but we also do a lot of best practice sharing so we get the corporations talking to each other and we're ensuring that the procurement professionals that we're working with in these different organizations are in touch with each other and talking to each other um and that's that's a really key part of the community that we offer. As I said, we've got this global coalition of 70, 75 corporations, and they're really working together very closely to push 
um, to push this agenda and to really further the programme outside of the US. I, I think that's a great idea with a gold standard checklist. And l- let me ask a, a question. When you're doing that, um, do you find uh, that, you know, what's the average that, you know, 50% can check it off or 80, 80% gets checked out. And I, I have to ask this question because I have a similar list that I use for, for um, my women leadership diversity training. And everybody always says, oh, yeah, we're perfect at this. And then they start to check off the list and they say, oh, my gosh, I only checked off 40% of this. I mean, is there any feeling out there, you know? What's happening I, I, with it? <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't actually know whether we've asked all of our corporate members to go through it and then and check box. But actually, um, Michael Robinson from IBM, he runs their their supplier diversity program. He asked a question at an event I was at just just a couple of weeks ago, and we were in a room with corporations. And his first question was, "How many of you think you've got a global program?" And then he asked a series of further other questions. And actually, by the end of it, the number of hands that was up in the room had really gone down. So it is about yeah. you know, yeah. what is a global program? What does that mean what does that look like because a global program that means you've got a program in every single country where you are sourcing um so actually um no most corporations that we're working with are on a journey to achieving their supplier diversity goals most corporations i would say start in one country um and build it from there kind of make it kind of make it work in one non-us region first and then grow. And then if you're starting out, say if I was working with a European entity here, it's how they build something from scratch because they won't have a US program that they can refer to. They would build it from scratch based on the best practice that the other that we would share, but that the other corporations can share as well. But this by no means, even you know, I'd say even the corporations who've been running, you know, international programs for a long time. I don't think any of them would say, yep, we're done, we're dusted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think many many of them, you know, they're still, they're definitely still growing and many are just start, starting out. Mm-hmm. And, and a big part of it is also the realisation that actually it's very difficult for a small supplier, and I'm going to be completely honest, pretty much all of the women-owned businesses that I work with within Europe are going to fall under the EU definition of an SME, so a small, medium-sized mm-hmm. enterprise. It's I think it's sub 50 million euro turnover and less than 250 staff. So pretty much all of our women-owned businesses, they'll be small. And it's actually really difficult for a small supplier to contract directly with a big multinational. So it's also very important for our corporate members, say like an IBM, to have this embedded with their prime suppliers, their tier one suppliers, and then their tier two suppliers and tier three, so that we can open up opportunities for the smaller businesses further down the supply chain. And I think that is, when I said earlier, I don't have to have a magic wand. I think that's one of the things that, you know, I would love it if we could enable our small businesses to contract directly immediately with, with these big businesses. But sometimes it's just not, that's just not how the business is structured or how it works. And actually there is a piece for the women-owned businesses to consider, actually, I'm probably not going to work directly with Accenture, but I might be able to work with their tier one or their tier two supplier. Um, and that's, you need to have your mind, you know, businesses need to have their minds open to those opportunities as well. And that's that's about, Maggie, you know, getting the buy-in at the sea level and then cascading this message or promoting this message down through the company so that, you know, if you have an employee or a manager at some level who, you know, has the, the P&L responsibility to go out in a supplier, they're thinking about that too, okay? Um, so, I mean, do, do you find when you're working with the corporates, do you emphasize how important the promotion and cascading this message down is? 
Absolutely. It's one of our ongoing pieces of work around how we can help our locally based champions, how we help them to amplify their message um, and that they don't feel that the entire supplier diversity program rests just on their shoulders because there are so many uh, people within an organization who have an influence on the buying decisions. Yes, there is a procurement and a sourcing team, but actually there's the business leads, there's the team leaders, um, is individuals who might have a company credit card. So actually there's many people who can influence spend with women owned businesses across an organization. And the other piece, remember, these organizations are huge. Um, and I quite often meet people and they maybe work, you know, with one of our corporate members, but they, they don't know about this program. And so I also make sure that I'm always connecting people I, that I meet with the supplier diversity people that I, that I'm in touch with. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's hard work. That's that kind of internal engagement, the internal communication yeah, there needs to be investment in that. And that's why, again, that's why this all ties into these being long-term, long-term programs. And I think, I think that message also, what you just said, it is long-term. It doesn't happen um, in one day. And I will say from experience, I've been through a, uh, a procurement uh, process um, uh, supported by a, a supplier uh, corporate from WeConnect International, and it took us a year and a half. Okay, so um, yeah. but but you know it worked out, and we're we're a women-owned SME, so um, it was great. So we're getting we're getting towards the end of our program. So Maggie, um, we have listeners out there that are corporations, and we have listeners who are, who are women in business. So if you had a message or two tips or one or two messages to the corporations out there, what would that be? I think for the corporations, if you are interested in this as a topic, we have a really useful business case report that's online that you can have a a very easy read of that shares lots of commentary from other multinationals about what they are doing and why. And I think that shines a really nice spotlight on what supplier diversity about and what what you would need to be thinking about as you start to develop your program. And our uh, CEO and co-founder Elizabeth Vasquez also, um, has also written a book called Buying for Impact about how to buy from women and change the world. So if you're interested in finding out even more, I'd have a look at that as well. And of course, there's lots of resources online. So the corporations should um, come, come directly to WeConnect International for more information if they'd like more. Mm-hmm. And why should they become part of WeConnect International? If you had the biggest reason they should become part of WeConnect International. Absolutely. It's part of being it's being part of this global coalition of multinationals who are coming together to really drive this agenda forward outside of the US market. So we are pushing the boundaries every day, every week, every month, every year within We Connect International and we want more corporations to be part of that. Super. And now we also we also have women business owners out there. So if you had one or two messages to the women business owners out there, what would that be? So I'm going to reference almost what you just spoke about a few moments ago about how long it takes. If you want to work with these big organizations, you need to be in it for the long haul. There are no quick fixes. We estimate on average that it's probably three years. Maybe if you meet one of our corporates at an event, you know, just how long cycles and procurement cycles take, it's going to be a a bit of a chunk of time before success probably comes through. Um, So it's just it's being aware of that and kind of managing your own expectations about how these how these processes work. I think it's also important to make sure you've got the right kind of product or service. You may well have something that you think is brilliant, but is it actually a product or a service that the corporations could buy or use? Is there some tweaking that you need to be able to do? So I'd say try, ask, be, but absolutely perseverance is huge. But it is a really interesting network. Now, obviously, we've talked about the connections for the women-owned businesses to the corporates, but there's a whole network of other women-owned businesses out there as well. And we're seeing more and more 
examples of our women-owned businesses coming together and collaborating together to bid for, say, bigger contracts, but also buying products and services from each other. And mm-hmm. that's that's huge as well. I mean, there's there's so much business that can be done within that network of women-owned businesses themselves. So I'm really excited about what that holds for the future on a global on a global scale. Mm-hmm. And and I will need to support that because um, the networking is absolutely fantastic. Um, I got I collaborated with another woman on We Connect International, and it's working out really really well. So it's just not about trying to get the business but it's also supporting each other and finding new businesses together okay and um the time i'll completely support that boy i w- we were pretty quick with a year and a half so i'm feeling pretty good about that maggie <laughs> well no that's I've, I've got i've got i've had an example in the uk very recently and it was it was about five weeks and i think that is my quickest one <laughs> ever um but really no it is it's it is it does take time as i mentioned earlier these are almost like a global change management program and you know we need as much support as ever but for the women-owned businesses get registered if we know if you're on the database the corporates then know that you're there well thank you so much this has been really really informative and to our listeners really reach out uh look up we connect international and we've been speaking with maggie berry executive director for europe for we connect international a global organization championing supplier diversity in procurement and helping majority owned women businesses to connect to the corporate supply chain she leads the responsibility for the organization in europe and her role involves developing corporate and public sector support, as well as growing and supporting a network of 1,000 women-owned businesses across Europe. You can reach out to Maggie at weconnectinternational.org. We Connect International is also on Facebook under at We Connect. It's on Twitter under We Connect International and on LinkedIn under We Connect International. Maggie is also on LinkedIn. It's Maggie Berry. And you can also see the different countries if you go to We Connect International. Europe, Canada, uh, the US, they're all represented there. So once again, Maggie, thank you so much for joining us. Kimberly, thank you very much. And for our listeners, I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, uh, also a women business owner. So I'd like to encourage corporations from all over the world with a special interest to please, please connect to We We Connect International. And I'd really, with a special interest here in Central Europe, where I'm located, if you have a corporation here, please get hold of Maggie and join We Connect International. Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Theory, SOO, the Women's Leadership Academy 2020. Both are women-owned businesses. We provide leadership training for women, systemic team coaching, certification, motivational speaking, and much more. Please connect with me, Kimberly Lewis. Send me a email at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or visit my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Please also like us on Facebook at Leadership Beyond Borders Ponytail Talk, on LinkedIn under Kimberly Lewis, and under Twitter under Leadership GBG. I leave you this week with an encouraging message to join We Connect International. Reach out if you're here in Europe, reach out to Maggie as diversity, supplier diversity is very important and it is our future. So until next week, have a great week and tune in again next week. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.